Party Rockets in the house tonight Everybody just have a good time And we gon' make you lose your mind Everybody just have a good time Hey guys, the movie is so bad that it crashed our podcast twice. Yeah, we actually had to make three restarts at this. This always happens every time we do a Seltzerberg movie. It has a tendency to really cause a lot of chaos on uh, my computer. It's as if the computer rejects the movies. That's true, we almost lost the, um... I think we that's well covered on the other, like on the addendum cast for the April Fools, but yeah, we almost lost that one. Yeah. Well, this one we seem to be in better shape on, so uh, we're going to go ahead and hit it. We are back in the world of Seltzer and Friedberg. Yeah, uh, for those who aren't aware, they are the guys who do the movie movies, date movie, disaster movie, vampires suck, etc. Uh, they do one every year, at least, you know, they have till, like, very recently. Uh, this is their first attempt at a straightforward comedy. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. It's their non. It's non-parody, definitely. It's non-parody, um, but they found something to replace the parody with, and I'm going to be getting into that in the cast proper. But I feel like before we get to this one, since the last time that we discussed them at length, we were really taking a parody stance, and some of y'all may not have heard the addendum cast. Let's be explicitly clear on what we think of these guys. <laughs> I hate them. I hate their movies. Yeah. I, I I think their reputation on the internet, I really kind of get annoyed with people who oversimplify the reputations of most bad directors. Um, I think Joel Schumacher's made some fine films, um, which I've noted before. Michael Bay's made at least one film that's made my best of the year list, to be honest. This is true. He actually did one uh, with uh, Pain and Gain that I thought was really strong. And Michael Bay is a competent director. I yeah. mean, he's done some movies that I've liked. Yeah, I'm... I mean, Armageddon isn't exactly a movie that's aged well, but it's well shot. Yeah, same with The Rock. Yeah, oh, The Rock's an excellent heist movie. You know, he did um, Bad Boys 2, which in all of its excessive glory is kind of wonderful. Yeah, (laughs) as Hot Fuzz will attest. Yes, as Hot Fuzz rightly did attest. (laughs) So, these guys deserve their reputation. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, I just came out of this movie... And, uh, uh, like I mentioned the last two times, I, I immediately had to take a shower afterward. Well, mostly because I, you know, hadn't showered yet, but... No, me either. I needed it. Yeah. Oh boy, where to start? I want to say that the first half is actually better than the second half. Yeah. This is a weirdly structured movie, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's produced by Jason Bloom. Let's pause for a second to uh, explain why that's notable for people. Um, First of all, we should note this is their first movie that they did outside the studios. This was their first movie that they did without studio financing. Okay, at the time that they did a disaster movie, Lionsgate wasn't quite as established as they are now, but Lionsgate was still a decent-sized mini-studio. So this was their first time to go completely outside studios. This was independently produced and uh, picked up by... uh, Magnolia releasing under their Magnet label. A label that has released such films as uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. So, uh, oof, boy, does this stand out against that. Which is not a comparison. <laughs> yeah, that's not a comparison. As always, yeah. we recommend that you watch that one instead of this one. 
Yes. Uh, they're both on Netflix. One's a heck of a lot better. So, so let's let's talk for a second though about Jason Bloom because he is an interesting figure. Um, Bloom is probably the most important figure in horror today. Yeah. Yeah, modern horror. In modern horror today, he is the guy that is laying out the money for most of the horror films that you see. He is the guy that is getting horror into theaters with a more reliable basis. He has started to broaden his perspective a bit. He is an Oscar-nominated producer now for uh, Whiplash. Yes, absolutely. And uh, he also produced, of course, we have mentioned The Visit. The Visit. Kudos for rescuing that film because... He got involved after it was shot and was like, no, this is a really good movie. This really does deserve to be seen. And got it to Universal, for which we do thank him. Excellent film. Yeah. Good call. He needed it. And he's actually now financing his next movie, too. Um, and that one he's involved with from the start. Yes. And that will be great. I, the point that I'm making is, I like Bloom. I, I, I think uh, Bloom is... He's heavily known for doing such films as uh, the Paranormal Activity series was his. That was sort of his big break-in. The Sinister films are his. Movies like uh, Unfriended. Unfriended was one that he got involved in post... Uh, he is basically the major horror financer that we've got right now. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of what the guy does, especially because if he has one trend, it's that he tends not to finance horror that's just generic horror. He tends to look for actual auteurist horror. And that's something that I really love. I love that he's getting behind horror auteurists. He's taken risks. He's taken some tremendous risks, and the films that he's made are starting to pay off. So... I like the guy, and that's why it's going to really hurt to really eviscerate one of his films, but here we are. Because unfortunately, that auteurist streak also led to him getting involved in this one. You can't take risks and have it pay off all the time. This time, Bloom decided to finance a Seltzer and Friedberg movie. I don't know when he got involved in production. This movie doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Let me point that out. Ouch. Yeah, this movie doesn't have a Wikipedia page. It doesn't have a TV Tropes page. Very few of their movies do. Uh, the IMDb page on it is pathetically small. If it had a TV Tropes page, that fucking thing would be... I think it would overload their servers. I think so. Note, um, I referenced TV Tropes. Yeah, I love TV Tropes. I'm not... Uh, I am so not going to be slamming that site. I have lost so much time to that site. TV Tropes rocks, that's all. In terms of finding any information about this production, I just can't. Wow. Well, let's start with the good. Yeah. And well, yeah, there is there is some good. There, There is some good. Believe it or not, this is actually a movie. Like, yeah. this isn't... It has characters. It has actually pretty well-defined characters. Yeah. It has a plot. It has a plot that actually goes from A to B to C. Right. It doesn't do so very well, but it has a plot, so I'm giving it points on that. The characters have arcs. Characters have arcs. Now, to be fair, they're parody movies. The characters in those also have arcs, but they are, like, not even secondary, but tertiary. Yeah, they're 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 paper thin. And the characters are so inconsistent. Uh, these are consistent characters. These are people who are believably the same people at the end of the movie as they were at the beginning, so... Yeah, I'm going to give it that. I mean, they are characters whose motivations don't change because they wanted to make a bad joke. Exactly. 
And also, the actresses are wonderful. That's what's really going to be the frustrating thing about discussing this movie, is the four main actresses are genuinely very likable. They're genuinely talented people. And I've noticed this is something that... This isn't the first time this has happened in one of their movies, that they've had really strong, likable actresses at the core. This happened with the Starving Games. Uh, It happened with the Date Movie. They have an odd tendency to get really talented, charming women and waste them horribly. But I, I, I give them this weird bit of credit. In movies that are toxic and misogynistic, they get really strong actresses and get good performances out of them. They do, yeah. You know, for the first half or so, I felt, you know, with some recutting, this could be almost a good movie. Yeah. I mean... It does have emotional cues. It does have bits where you almost sort of feel something. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't laugh once. I didn't either. But I see where the jokes are. And that's a big yeah. step up for them. I do see where the jokes are. Yeah. Even if they don't land. And yeah, a lot of it is very predictable. As far as like what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Uh, not ultimately where it's going to go, but what's going to happen next. Yeah, be- because we've seen this kind of movie before. This is not a movie that's... It's not a parody movie, but it's definitely taking on a very familiar genre. Yeah, I mean, one scene I will note as, like, a good emotional, like, just, like, a extended take... Like, one long extended that may have worked in, say, a Jed Apatow film. Like, in the dumpster. Yeah. They're running from the bugger who's also a valet. And, um, they, you know, the, one of them has a warrant out for their arrest because they slashed one of their ex's tires or something like that. Yeah. And so they're running from the cops and they hide in a dumpster. And there's an extended night shot take. <laughs> Since eight would uh, later use that song, um, it came it came after this, and it used it in a way that was just transcendent. So, but it's used well here. It's it's actually used. It is well. It's. It's kind of a poignant moment. Until, of course, the joke that it's building to comes up. And I say, So I wake up in the morning and I step outside. And I take a deep breath and I get real high and I scream. You know there's somebody else in the dumpster, I mean. Which begs the question of why do they not notice that? Exactly. It's a dumpster. Those are really small. But yeah, there there are moments like that. And also, there are some really well-framed shots. Yeah, that's that's one of the weird things about this movie is Technically, this is not any different than any of their other films in terms of the guy that shot it. Uh, This is their same DP, as always. But this time, he actually did a really good job of lighting the film. Um, It is There are a lot of well-framed shots. Um, I don't know if they shot the entire film in Vegas, 
but it feels like they probably shot at least a few days minimum and where they did shoot they found some interesting locations they found some visually strong locations another kind of feel-good sequence is the one where they do like the bachelorette party checklist which by the way this is their bachelorette party that's the plot it's a long it's a long montage it's about five minutes but it's fun. It's, yeah, it is fun. I mean, it's... Yeah, they go on the checklist, and I'm pretty sure that those are probably real people that they did that to. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I got that vibe. There definitely is a Throidian vibe to it. And I, I liked the energy of that sequence. That sequence suggests something more that they could have done. Um, it's a sequence, of course, that's very reliant upon the actresses being as strong as they are but it's it's and I'll, that's the, that sequence was clearly actually shot in vegas which gives it a nice unique feel it it gives it an energy location is something that really i don't think gets talked about enough but if you have a good location you can really cover a lot of gaps um it's colorful it's bright it's fun it's silly there are enough good elements in this film that you might be able to like with reshoots cobble together a pre a decent film yeah the biggest problem that this movie has is that it's still from the same people it's from there was a definitive turning point where like as i was trying to debate like in the first half or so whether i thought this was better than the hangover yeah. Which also takes place in Vegas and kind of has the same thing except for, you know, the actual night instead of the morning after. And, you know, my thoughts on The Hangover in general, I, it's not funny to me. Like, it's not. Here's how I feel about The Hangover. I liked it six years ago, but I feel like the sequels and time have just made it less funny to me. I still think it's fundamentally a sound premise, and I think it's a sound cast. I think that there are some jokes in it that work, but I think that the sequel really kind of served to expo expose some of the deep flaws of it. Mm, yeah. I also think that it was not helped either by uh, Bridesmaids coming out two years later and really serving to show what it did wrong what was missing with it the hangover doesn't have any deeper ideas or thoughts it actually probably has less than this movie truthfully and it has a very dark perspective on humanity you know but also in the hangover the jokes did not land for me but the plot was okay yeah i mean you know to me it didn't really have a satisfying conclusion no that tied everything together like it was just a string of events but but it was at least a decent movie yeah, it, it, and yeah, I agree. For, for about the, the first half, I was kind of in the same boat. Uh, I was kind of surprised, actually, by how much I was enjoying this film. There's a defining moment where that all that turned to, nope, nope, no. Yeah. Can you guess what that is? <laughs> yeah, I can, and I feel like for us to explain why, we almost probably need to rewind and start at the beginning on this film and cover it in chronological order. The plot is basically the same generic plot that you've seen for all of these movies since the dawn of time. Four women are going to their bachelorette party, and you've got your tropes. You've got the bride who's more or less pure, and she doesn't have much darkness to her. She's she's just sort of the, the heroine, so to speak. You've got uh, her sister, who's extremely rich, 
She's in a transparently not very happy marriage. And uh, we come to find out why later on in the story. You've got the crazy friend who is, uh, you know, a childhood friend who, again, turns out to have slashed her boyfriend's tires and keyed her name into his car. And then you've got the Melissa McCarthy clone. I mean, let's face it, that's what that character was. A mother of twins who uh, her body will serve as an endless uh, series of jokes because she's still lactating. Yeah, it's it's like the thing that bothers me about that is, you know, of course, the fact that it's being used as a joke. And it's like, well, that's just a normal yeah. bodily thing. I don't see... Like, it's one of those things where you watch it, and it's like, that's the joke? Like, is that the joke? Yeah. Are you just being shitty right now? Yeah. This is a joke that, that the movie will play in multiple times. Mm-hmm. By the way, I note the character is, quote-unquote, a Melissa McCarthy clone. Uh, the actress has posed for Playboy, so uh, that was one of the few details. Weirdly enough, that was one of the few details I came across when I was... Like, looking for any production information on this film. Yeah. So, yeah, she isn't physically a McCarthy clone, but, um, you know what I'm saying. These are, these are, these, you know. Yeah. She fits that part. She's the energetic one. And so, these women, they go to Vegas. This is all done found footage, by the way. Which is a big mark of where Bloom was involved. I would, to me, that's the mark that probably suggests he was involved from the start because he yeah. loves found footage, or at least he seems to be able to make a lot of money off of it. So these women go to, uh, they're going to Vegas and we, we get a lot of, we get the inevitable scenes where we find out what their itinerary is and we know right off the bat that's not going to happen. And of course the itinerary is like a very innocent, very upscale, very like they're going to go to the Young concert. They're going to stay in this penthouse skirt. So you have the rich girl whose marriage is falling apart. We know every beat. And you get a sense of just how rich she is. Well, I guess since also the fact, one thing I will at least give the movie is at least the movie does make it clear that all of these women are, are of, of some wealth, which you kind of need an explanation like that for a movie like this where the character's truly are spending far more money than they should be. Yeah. But we find out, okay, that they get to the hotel, they find out that the uh, rich girl's uh, credit cards have been canceled, and so, you know, and we and that serves as almost sort of a mystery as to why. Yeah, we, a little bit. A little bit, although we find out quickly why. I didn't wonder too much about it. I didn't either, because I didn't care. I mean, it's one of those things, it's a contrivance. It's one of those things, it's necessary to get them in a cheap, crappy hotel. With hourly rates. With hourly rates. Which, you know what, let's give some credit to this movie. They actually chose a realistic, cheap, crappy motel. Sometimes in place, in movies like this, they don't go for what a realistic one looks like. They go too far. While they do go there with the Blacklight app scene, um... The Blacklight app, oh my god. Which, honestly, kind of almost could have been funny to me. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's gross. I fully expected that scene to end on turning the Blacklight on one of the girls and just having her, like, covered. Wow, they didn't go there, did they? That's... They did not go there, and I credit them for that. As misogynistic as their movies can be, let's give them some credit. They didn't go there. They actually, again, they actually had kind of some weird respect going on here. Yeah, they did. They had some weird sympathy for these white women. Uh, we should stress this. All four women are white. They are, yeah. Even even the jello wrestling scene, you know, wasn't 
as bad as it could have been. It's really saying something that we have to say that, that we have to utter that phrase. It's not as bad as it could have been. But, you know, so they're they're in this cheap, crappy motel, but again, realistically one. It looked like a few I've stayed in, truthfully. Points for that. And then they go to a strip club, and that brings us back to, that was actually the opening shot of the film. Yeah. Which, it's like, okay, films like that use that device, that trope, starting off with something that happens later and then rewinding and saying, okay, you know, we're giving you this extreme situation, here's how it started. Usually that's reserved for later in the film. Yeah, like something that's an important event. In this case, they seem to only do it so that they can open on the shot of a muscular black man's ass gyrating. Yes, and, okay, here's another thing I wanted to talk about. They block out his penis, like with, yeah, like a moving black bar. And, of course, they make it very big, very long. You know, and they pixelate, you know, the rest of the rest of his genitals. And then, like, not five minutes later, they're driving through Vegas, and um, a guy rolls down his window and asks them to... Show us your tits! You show us your balls! Which is a fair comeback. Oh, it's a very fair comeback. And then he does. And he does. And they're not pixelated. It's like... Okay, what? There's a reason why they had to pixelate this guy's. It's because he obviously wasn't naked. Or at least he was obviously wearing, like, one of those patches and thongs. Yeah, a, a gentle sock, which, you know, is common in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, it's common when you're filming nude scenes. Yeah, and also, his penis was obviously not, not that long because nobody's is. Nobody's is. But this is, of course, a sequence that allows us to uh, get that old cliche of black men have enormous genitals. Thanks, Hollywood. Yeah, which is... <sighs> Racist as hell? Racist as hell. Yeah, it's one of those things that someone will say, oh, well, that's a compliment. And it's like, no, no. that's a thing that really, that's damaging. It's racist. It's awful. I can't get past the fact, this is a, I mean, this is a racist movie uh because there are only three people of color in the entire movie and they're used as the butts of joke yeah uh there's the uh manager at the strip club who is who just shows up to yell at them and then there's um the stripper who is a freak of nature oh yeah by the way nice uh hint at a rape joke you essentially raped me oh come on you had your big black dick in my face yeah, we we get a we get a nice hinted right joke. These are classy guys, I'm telling you. Yeah. But again, this leads to them being thrown out of the strip club and then they get mugged. Yeah, by a guy in a valet from whom they are trying to buy cocaine. Mm-hmm. This goes poorly. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a nice device that um, you know, it's established that the camera that they're using is in her purse and they're kind of secretly filming everything. But, but there are numerous shots in this movie that really give it away that that's not how it was filmed. Um, oh, I'm going to have so many thoughts to say later on the found footage device because I'm just going to say it right now. It's not well used. No, nah, it breaks a lot. Too much. By contrast, The Visit, which again had an excuse and had a really good excuse for a lot of the shot choices. Like, you know, because you're supposed to know what she's doing. Two cameras. And uh, this is, I think, a single camera. Yeah. Let me just tell you right now how hard it is to edit footage from a single camera. 
because you have to have a lot of time break. Mm-hmm. That's why I use two cameras to film your wedding, you know? Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's just, it, it looks better that way. So, yeah, I mean, the found footage in this movie is just shoddy. It's it's constantly broken, and it's also too convenient. It cuts out at moments that are so extremely convenient. When you get right down to it, this movie had no reason to be found footage. Nah. The visit was logical. The visit was actually so well used. Most found footage movies I've found have no reason to be found footage. Okay, you have movies like Cloverfield where that's the entire fun of it. You have movies like Chronicle where it's intended to be an exploration of the genre. You have uh, Unfriended, which, hey, it's a gimmick, but I mean... I've heard it's either not half bad or really awful. I don't know that I care to see it to find out. Nah, I'm yeah, no interest. But but at least that's an interesting gimmick. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I mean, if you're gonna have that type of thing, you know, there you go, do that. That's an excuse. But this leads to them obviously needing a way to get more money because they've been mugged. They, of course, decide to do gelatin wrestling. The uh, mother decides to do gelatin wrestling, and this is where we get one of the grossest lactation jokes. Yeah, there are dark circles around her bra where yeah. you know, she's been leaking. Ha ha ha, she's a freak of nature. Oh, sh- God. Uh, this is so... But she She's a normal woman who just just had her second kid. Ha ha ha. Yeah, this is not funny. This is... No. This is making women out to be freaks when it's just a normal part of life. Women have bodily functions, too. Yeah. So having that joke was just really poor timed. That scene is one of the big issues of this movie where the found footage is broken horribly because in the middle of this sequence, the camera just like falls over and breaks and... Yeah, and you see like, you know, it's not the last time that they'll use this where it, you know, gets damaged and some of the footage is missing and kind of grainy or kind of, you know, patchy. It's like, okay. Because the, what the movie wants to do is a jump cut to finding out that the, the amateur wrestler was knocked out immediately and, and is immediately thrown in the, uh, is immediately picked up by an ambulance. This leads to them trying to get out of the ambulance because they're not paying for a hospital, which I don't blame them. Emergency room visits are so very expensive, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and they, uh, they wind up breaking out they've got it turns out she got three hundred dollars for um for trying which i'm sorry that's not a sound business practice that's not that's not no three hundred dollars for trying five hundred dollars for winning it's like how are they making this money i mean if, i don't believe they are yeah if everybody gets participatory money then what i know it's it's i don't know it's an excuse they also steal a bottle of pills and i am honestly shocked they didn't and, you know, of course, they're naturally then high off their asses on the pills. And I'm shocked that they didn't wind up revealing that they were Tylenol. Like, I I was waiting for the movie to drop that gag that it turns out that they were just Tylenol. Which, you know, would have killed them as much as they took. Well, but I mean, it would have been saying where it would have been like, okay, it was placebo effect, basically. Right, yeah. That would have actually been a joke. I saw that coming, and I was disappointed that it never did come this leads to the montage which again 
Not a bad sequence. Not a bad sequence. Not a bad sequence. Very charming. Very friendly. Very colorful. And it's done in the um, famous, like the Las Vegas, I don't know what that's called. The Strip. Yeah, The Strip. It's a nice set of sequences. But it really does give away that the movie is not found footage. Because though most of those shots were impossible as a found footage movie. Most of them were impossible. The The movie just, you know, I don't know. It's just... It's obvious it's not real. Found footage movies don't have montages. One of the things I will stop to say is that there's some attempts at subtlety, but there's no subtlety. Yeah. Like, one one of the key things uh, you know, that happens before the moment is you figure out that you find out the reason behind the rich girl's yeah. you know, cards being canceled. Her husband is basically doing gay porn and, um, you know, used up all her credit cards and now she's had to cancel them. Yeah. And, you know, she, she's like, okay, well, you know, I accidentally found out that he's on this gay porn site, and here's the picture. And they showed the two of them, and it's like, okay. That's disgusting. I know. It could have been, like, it would have been great if they had not shown us yeah. what was on the picture. It would have been perfect if they had not shown us. But they're just like... The irony is palpable. There's the Eiffel Tower, and they're giving him an Eiffel Tower. That's the point where it's like, okay, all right, I didn't need to know that. And then they, sh like, she turns the phone towards the camera, and it's like, okay, all right, no. Yeah, it's just, it's just bad. Again, I don't think that's a bad shot in and of itself. I don't think, like, I don't, like, again, there's some nice sh shots in that sequence, actually. But it's, why did we need this whole, whole thing? That's what I need to know, is why did the husband need to be gay? Why couldn't he just be cheating on her? And there, there's a simple answer why he needed to be gay. Because they had to get their gay joke in. Yeah. They had to make fun of homosexuality in some way. Because they always do. Oh, it's homosexuals. Do you know how they love to get together and have group sex? And that's... that's They have never had a depiction of homosexuality in one of their films that wasn't intended to make it look as freakish as it could. That's just how they roll. That's how they operate. Yeah. This is... It's, it's, it's an unsettling sequence. I'm not gonna lie. It's a very unnerving sequence. Yeah, it is. But... All of this leads to the inevitable moment where, as I said, as you pointed out, it more or less breaks. That's That brings us back to that point because we get to that scene where they've stolen a limo, which, by the way, so would not happen. No. Those things have GPS units in them. The police would be on them immediately. And I'm sure that the drivers are trained well enough to not let that happen. Yeah, like, I don't know how on earth you could steal a limo. They don't leave the keys in them. No. So this is a stupid, stupid sequence. Then they spot the valet. They think. They think they spot him. They think. And right off the bat, the problem is that it's obviously not the same guy. Oh, yeah. And that sequence becomes an interminable lead-up to a punchline we already know. Yeah, they find where the guy lives. They steal $500 from his wallet. The big thing that they're after him for is the wedding ring. They don't find it. They don't find their purses. They don't find, they don't find any of their money. They don't find anything. But they do go to his house because they assume that maybe he's left it there. They tie him up and, uh... Ugh... They write rapping pig on him because they don't know how to spell raping. It's a girl with the dragon tattoo reference, uh, so... Yes, it is. Which, how dare you? How dare you? Come on. Okay, that's the scene in that movie was... You know, again, we've talked about the rape and revenge thing. That is another one of the ultimate stories that has that. Her revenge in that movie is 
sweet. It's powerful. It is very powerful, and it just, you know, kind of proves what a complete badass that character is. Yeah, and it, it it's a moment where the character definitively stands up and stops being a victim. Exactly, yeah. And, and they're like, oh yeah, well, you know... He did that in that movie, so we're gonna we're gonna take a picture of that and send it to everybody he knows. Oh, by the way, they're wearing um, quote unquote ski masks, which feels. Here's the thing: it's tempting to call this a Spring Breakers reference, except that this was probably in theaters uh, and on video on demand before that one was. So 2013, yeah. And boy, there's a movie that I have uh, just an ocean of thoughts on. We may get to that at some point. We may get to that one at some point. This is a worse movie than that one, though, at least. The definitive moment that uh, it really broke was, oh yeah, she's gonna pee on his face, and then like the parents come in, the guy lives with his parents, and it's like, oh, you didn't know that he had... And it's like, well, I didn't look that hard, and I'm a little wasted, and like, okay. And then like the moment after that happens, uh, she poops on his face. Yeah, that's that's thing I so did not need, and it occurs to me that if you want to see how a shot like that can be done well, if it can ever be done well, the visit has a better handling of this. It does. That's right. Because it actually builds a good lead up to why this is going to happen and makes it feel inevitable. It's disgusting in that one, but it's supposed to be really disgusting. It's supposed to get under your skin. It is. I mean, it's... And that's a moment in that film that's, you know, that where the humor of it does kind of land in a really unsettling way. This isn't the worst thing that could happen tonight. Right. And indeed, it's not the worst thing that happens in this moment. Yeah, this has just made me want to watch The Visit again. But, um... Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, so you have this moment, and then, of course, they run out, and again... The the police never seem to factor into things. They would have so many charges against them. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh yeah, don't think they would not get caught just because they abandoned the vehicle. And there's a mountain of evidence. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. I mean, the same thing could be said of The Hangover. Believe me, those characters should have been in jail for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the few movies I've seen that actually played this kind of thing right was uh, with uh, Bridesmaids, where when there was um, poor behavior out in public... The characters tended to be, like, thrown off planes and such. I've been trying not to bring up Bridesmaids very much while referencing this movie, even though this feels like they were doing their version of it. To say that Bridesmaids is a much better movie than this is kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, Bridesmaids had an Oscar-nominated script. Bridesmaids had a deservedly Oscar-nominated script. But anyway, that's when the movie hits its really into its second half and... Boy, things get ugly from here. There's no turning back after, you know, a character poops on someone's face. Yeah, you you lose any sympathy for the characters. You lose any ability to care because then they, like, somehow they make it back to the hotel. This would have been a good moment for all of the characters to go, you know what? We're done. (laughs) Yeah, let's call it a night. And, I mean, at this point, by the way, at this point, the movie also starts to get into clear, we have no comprehension of time capability. Because, like, I think it flashes a time code of five in, like, five in the morning. Okay, it's dark, but within an hour, the sun's going to be coming up. We're closer to morning than we should be, than this movie makes it feel like. 
Yeah, this is more like 3 a.m. to a.m. Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's a bachelor party going on in one of the hotel rooms. And one that's not realistic in any way. No, it's... It's not. Yeah, not... I'm... <sighs> we mentioned the pooping on the face. I'm not going to mention what's on screen here. No. There's just no need. There's no need. We're... we're, we're... This We're gonna spare you. Yeah, this sequence is just nothing but unpleasantness, and uh, there's just an irritating, I don't know, it's just unpleasant and ugly. And then it leads to the uh, bride-to-be. She finds out, she gets a phone call from her uh, fiancé, and he butt-dials her, basically. Yeah, well, that was earlier in the film. Okay, that was earlier in the film, but this is kind of like, it's it's explaining her mindset in this moment, basically. Why they kind of threw their evening away for a wilder one. There's a reference to a donkey show uh, in that sequence. <sighs> yeah. Here's what I firmly believe. If you really and truly believe that these things are real, like, you know, or that, that they're, like, if you would actually enjoy watching one of these... Please let me know so that I can never know you again as a person. We, we, we thought it'd be fun, you know, to go to this show. Everyone's got to check out one of these shows. And, you know, it's, it's a woman fucking a horse. We get there and, you know, we think it's going to be awesome. And it is not as cool as it sounds like it would be, man. It is, it's, it's kind of gross. And you know what? To be honest, I felt bad for her. We all just felt bad for her. Yeah. Kind of felt bad for the horse. Wow, that's something. So did you, uh, what did you get up to? I think a more realistic depiction of a bachelor and or bachelorette party can probably be found on Parks and Rec. Oh Yeah, I think the Parks and Rec versions are pretty, honestly, the one that uh, Ben faces felt not dissimilar to my own. Hanging out yeah. with friends, drinking definitely. I mean, you're drinking during those. That's one cliche that's definitely true. Mm -hmm. And you're just having fun. You're just relaxing with people. Uh, that's what Nathan's was like. That's what mine was like. That's what everybody I've ever known was like. Is you just fundamentally you just want to hang out with people you like and you want to do things you like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the Parks and Rec still had the penis hats, but they were like, you know. Yeah, this felt like a. Uh, the Office also had a much truer version in its series finale. But anyway, this leads then to uh, the women to go chase down the bride to be. And this whole sequence is so contrived. Like, it's not, it's for naught, basically. It's just the last thing to happen. Yeah. And as I said, this is a very poorly structured movie. A does not follow B logically in this movie, except for some of the character arcs make sense. I'm just going to go on ahead and say it. I'm almost certain this sequence was reshot this sequence feels like a late in the game reshoot like it feels like something that was decided late in the game because it doesn't it doesn't flow naturally this leads to a chase sequence uh it leads to the whole sequence at the hotel where the women somehow find a way to break into a hotel room which oh wow hotel rooms are not like that at all you cannot break into a hotel room yeah if you if you've been to a hotel any hotel, they have like three or four locks on those doors. Yeah. They are heavily fortified. They're dead bolted. So it's not a realistic sequence, even slightly. And they they think they find the bride. Where, what do they find? But a uh, thin white guy having sex with a uh, large black woman. Both of whom are completely naked. This movie, by the way, has much more penis than I've ever seen 
in a quote-unquote mainstream film. There is a lot of penis in this movie. There is, yes. Only one of them is blocked out. Yeah, I, I think only Forgetting Sarah Marshall was even comparable. And in that case, it served a thematic point that the guy was naked. Like, it wasn't ever gratuitous. It was a thematic idea. Yeah. Also, it was the screenwriter who was uh, naked in the film, so, you know, there was that. Yeah. Of course, now I'm thinking about that movie, and I'm wishing I was watching that instead. Oh, yeah, don't we all? Of course, the number of times that I'm watching uh, comedies and not wishing I was watching that one instead are actually kind of limited. That's a that's a wonderful film. I, I really... It is. I love that movie. But anyway, so what we wind up getting now is a large black woman chasing them through the hotel. Yeah, they pull the fire alarm to try to find where uh, their friend went. Which, kid, they're so getting arrested for that. <laughs> yes, that's a... Uh, not sure it's a felony, but it's definitely... Um, a crime. Yeah, it's definitely a crime. They're getting arrested for that, and because there's obviously a security camera in that hallway. They're getting caught. And then she comes out, and you have a lukewarm moment where she's like, well, you know, I said no, you know, it's not like he tried, you know, but nothing happened. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, so this was all for nothing. Yeah, this is a big nothing. And that's when they really get chased. Uh, after this lukewarm, touching moment, they get chased. And they get tackled, and then... They do another crappy, you know, film break, for lack of a better word. And then they cut to, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, where they're all hungover. And, you know, the film is ending, basically. It's funny, because that's the moment where you go, oh, thank God, some relief, it's almost over. And then, you know, you have the conclusions, kind of the conclusions of all the arcs. Like, I guess she forgives the guy for... Because he calls her and tells her. We find out that uh, the sister got laid... Yeah, the quote-unquote uptight rich sister, yeah. Um, by the way, there is inevitably the arc where her hair is up at the beginning and it's down at the end. Of course. Okay, Hollywood, let me just pull you all aside and, under and explain something. The reason that women wear their hair up is because it's convenient. It's because it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. The reason that they have it down is because they feel like it. It is such obvious, irritating shorthand when really it's just out of convenience. That's why it's ever up or down. Yeah. Oh, just, just ugh. Like, sometimes you don't want hair in your face, you know? Yeah, I'm just tired of that being shorthand. I'm just tired of that cliche. I used to have long hair, I know. Yeah, I did too. We get some standard cliched moments, some aww, and then the movie pretty much kind of ends. They're driving, and then they're like, do you want to have a last night? Oh, let's rewind the tape. It's like, no, please don't. And they go right back to where that moment left off. It's like, no, we were almost free. Why would you do this? And it's a transparent attempt at a jump scare. Oh, God, that that didn't even work. No, because it's a transparent. And that's something that uh, Bloomhouse Productions are known for, is ending on a jump scare. This one ends on a lame jump scare. It's stupid. And it's, you know, and again, it doesn't add anything. It's more of the same. We could have comfortably not had that in there, that last moment. We could have. And then it cuts, it cuts back to them in the car, like, ha, 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 and that ends. Yeah. We didn't need this sequence. During the credits, we get a quick, hey, this is what happened to all the characters after the movie. They do the Animal House ending. Yeah, they do the Animal House ending. And I rarely care about these endings because it's like, these are fictional people. I don't care. Yeah. Like, what I think where that trope is warranted is probably, you know, movies based on true stories. Yeah. Yeah, where they don't quite have time to work 
you know, where everything ended up into the film, but they still want to kind of inform you that, hey, this is a real person and this is what happened to them ultimately. Yeah. I mean, there there are times where it's funny. Uh, Anchorman uh, did variants of it. They did, yeah. Which, I, which was okay because this was a mock true story. Right. That was kind of the fun of it. So I just, I don't know. It's it's a silly trope. I will say one other realistic thing that they tried to play off as a joke was: uh, Did you did you stay for the after credit sequence? No, I did not. I turned it off. Mm, I don't blame you. I did. It's just a quick thing where they're at the drive-through and they're at like a burger place. The rich girl asks if they have salads. They're like, no, sorry. And it's like, can you make one? Like, no, sorry, we don't have. You know, we don't have salads. Okay, I worked ten years at a fast food restaurant. This is actually not unrealistic. Like, she basically ends up ordering, like, a burger taken apart, you know, to kind of make a salad-like yeah. thing. It's like, this play was a joke, but it's not unrealistic. I mean... No, it's it's not. That's the note that the movie ends on. I just wanted... I wanted out at that point. No. Yeah, we've taken you through the whole movie so that you don't have to watch it. Yep. And we don't recommend you watch it. We don't recommend you watch it. I'm going to say this. This is a better movie of the four that I've seen from them now. This is probably the best. Yeah. That's not good. This is the one where I think I understand why someone would find it funny, even if I didn't. Right. I understand. But I I didn't find it funny. I just kept thinking of better movies while watching this. And again, you know, for first half I thought, you know, if if you could like recut this, then you could actually salvage a fairly decent movie out of it until like that one moment happened. It's like, no, there's no salvaging. Yeah. No. This is a train wreck. It's again, I think it benefits from some atmospheric qualities. I think it benefits from some decent elements. And I and I really do feel bad for the cast because they really do try. But you can't salvage what is a fundamentally an ugly, unpleasant film. I didn't enjoy watching this movie. I didn't hate watching this movie the way that I did The Starving Games. But that's because they weren't doing the irritating, oh, isn't this funny, this is a parody thing. I found this style of humor less irritating. But this is still not a good movie. All of their ugliness is still present in this movie. They're still very homophobic. They're still very sexist. Very deeply sexist. Very racist. If it feels at times a little less sexist, it's because of the actresses. Exactly right. They're giving more charm to this movie than it needs. Yeah, I mean, there is a, you know, making money by jello wrestling thing in there. It's like, I guess that's better than some things that they could have worked into, you know, for them to make money, but... It's still exploitative. It's still exploitative, yes, exactly. Like, I think that kind of sums up, though, how I feel about this film overall, is they're doing the same things they always do, but they're maybe dialing it back a bit. It's still not good, though. It's still not good, and it's an ugly movie, still. I mean, the racism really bothered me. Yeah, me too. <sighs> I mean, you couldn't have made one of the four women... Come on. A person of color? I'm... And I'm, I'm saying this only because it stands in such sharp contrast to how, again, every person of color in this movie is a freak. And this is a complaint a lot of critics have had about the movie, and I agree with them. It's, it's just ugly. And it occurs to me, come to think about it, that that's pretty much how they've treated pretty much everybody. Like, every time I've seen yeah. someone who wasn't 
white in one of their movies. That's kind of how it felt. Yeah, it's a bit of a joke. Eddie Griffin managed to get out of a date movie with some dignity, but that's because he's Eddie Griffin and he's not a talentless hack. He does have some qualifications. You said that you had a theory. I would like to know what that is. Yeah, my theory was that if you took, you know, at least this this is why I kind of developed during the first half what I was thinking of. It's like, if you tried to lose the comedy angle, like just try to drop yeah. any pretense of it being a comedy, maybe cut the jokes, maybe cut, this would actually make a pretty good drama. Really, I, th- I don't actually think you're wrong. I think there, I, I think there is a nice, I think one thing that this movie would definitely need to do would be maybe shuffle things around so that the montage maybe came first Mm -hmm. before things got really bad. Yeah. And then the drama just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. Mm -hmm. But there's no clear escalation. If you were to lay the stakes of this movie out on a grid, it would be a jagged line. Yeah, like I said, after that one certain point, there's really no turning back and there's no salvaging it. But if you reshot the last half, like reworked it, like this... Might have worked as you know, kind of a straight drama. It might have. I don't know. And I, I'll also say this. Okay, they're not doing a parody movie now, but they're doing. But but instead of parodies, we get cliches. Yeah. And we get ripoffs. We get so many scenes that are ripped off of other movies. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, really, what's the fight at the end in the hotel if not the scene in Borat? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically that scene in Borat. Yeah, it is. Please don't remind me of Borat because I've seen Borat. Many times. I love Borat. I think Borat's brilliant. This is, a, this is not a fun film. I'm No, it's not a pleasant sit. I'm frustrated with it. And, I'm fr- and I think that that ultimately is what, what really exposes what, how I feel about Seltzer and Friedberg as a whole, is that they're not good filmmakers. Their perspective is so dark. It's so skewed. and It's so warped. It's so warped. I mean... I feel like the fact that it's dialed back is probably uh, Jason Bloom's influence on them. That could be, yeah. But I also feel like he's also the reason that the pointless found footage thing got jammed onto this movie. I really don't believe they wrote the first draft of this planning it as a found footage movie. No. I I, I really doubt this was initially intended or conceived as one, because it doesn't feel like a found footage movie. It, It hurts them. For the love of God, filmmakers, if you don't have to do a found footage movie, don't do one. I feel like found footage movies nowadays, all too often, they're movies that could be done in normal style and aren't. They're done in found footage to, to be cheap. This is the first time we've come in shorter than one of their movies, so let's cherish That's that. That's true. We must reiterate that even though we were sort of complimentary on elements of this one, we are completely serious. <laughs> yeah, we are completely serious. We do mean this cast. And will we ever go back to them? I refuse to say never again, but I kind of feel like it'll take them doing another film like this where they get outside their wheelhouse for me to be interested. And again, yeah, let's let's wait like at least another year and a half yeah i don't regret doing this cast i'll say this i don't regret doing this cast yeah it was an interesting study it was an interesting film um fortunately we don't have another film like okay we did this one in pretty close to zapped again we don't have another film like this on the schedule for a very long time at all really i don't think we have another film like this on the schedule at all for at least the year yeah i think we uh, have uh uh, pleasantness coming up. Yeah. Well, the next few films we're going to do are awesome films. Um, 
Next up, we're going back to Hitchcocktober, and we're going to do a rare Alfred Hitchcock comedy. Yeah. Which means it's going to be a black comedy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he if you know anything about Hitchcock, you know that his sense of humor was definitely there. It was dry. Well, it's in all his films, really. All his films have elements of comedy in it. Yeah. Dark as they are. Uh, this is the only one that's, you know, played up as... A true comedy. A true comedy, yeah. At least in at least as much as he's going to get to one. Yeah. I mean, he still throws a lot of suspense in there. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, that's his that's his style. That's how he, you know... I mean, suspense is not unmarried to humor in some way, you know? Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to that one. So, we got that one coming up. And then the next week after that... Well, it'll be it'll be time for Halloween, and we're going to look in on one of the great icons of horror. We're going to finally do a Freddy Krueger movie. I have not seen any of them, so this will be an interesting one. Yeah, we're 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 going to cover Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Um, we might cover the original Nightmare on Elm Street if we can. You can find this on our blog at thefilmroom.podbean.com. That's the source of the cast. You can also find us on iTunes. And let me just take this moment to lay out kind of what our skit, you know, since we've been weekly for a month now. Woo! Yeah, thanks, y'all. We're loving this. Yeah, thank you. And as as that comes, you know, I think uh, we've kind of found the pattern that works for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we record on Sundays, we release on Tuesdays. Basically, the release pattern is early access for Patreon usually goes up on Sundays. Sometimes if... Like, I kind of have a busy weekend, or I have, you know, troubles with uh, the cast, which happens. It'll go up, like, the day before, or as soon as it can, or, you know, on very rare occasions, it'll just go up the day of. But it's always May it to Tuesday. Tuesday is the uh, release for on the regular feed. So, yeah, just quick mention on that. That's kind of the pattern we've established, and that works for us, and that's great. The reason I mention that is it usually goes up on iTunes the day after. Yeah. Because that's just how that works. Podbean doesn't get it till the day after. So, you know, Sunday early access, Tuesday regular feed, Wednesday iTunes. So there you go. You can find us on our Twitter. The cast is at FilmRoomCast. Austin is at UntitledUser. I am at PermanentManPRD. And, of course, The Secret Twitter. The Secret Twitter. The Secret Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thefilmroom. Like us there, check us out, give the page some love. Our side blog, we're continuing doing Nostalgia. I think we're up to, like, number 14. Yeah, 14 was this week. Yes, and that's going great. Thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com Got a lot of ambitious stuff coming there. Um, We do... There's going to be at least a week of uh, themed entries coming in uh, January, so be looking for that. Yes. Yeah, I believe all that's left is the Patreon. Thank you, guys. You're yep. doing great on that front. Yeah, it's uh, patreon.com slash thefilmroom. And let's thank our patro- our patrons. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Sean from Notoli. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Nathan. And thank you, Daisy. Yep. Yes. Thank you, guys, for your continual support and of course you know anything you give the minimum is a dollar a month and that gets you all the benefits yep uh so consider yep so we will see y'all next time and it's gonna be better next time it's gonna be better next time
It only goes up from here for the rest of the year. Yep. <laughs> so. So. Bye, guys. cheeseburger, extra onions, fries, and a Diet Coke. I don't see a, a salad. Um, could, do you think, could you make me one? Uh, we don't have salads. Uh, we just have burgers, fries, and drinks. Aw, please. Um, they do do a burger without the bun where they wrap the burger in lettuce. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. And Oh, and, and the dressing on the side.